Good evening, everybody. I'm so excited to see you here again. Um, I Today's poll is a little bit dramatic because this first story we're going to open with is a little bit dramatic too, and I want to see what you guys thought. Um, today's The headline of today's opener is, My parents stole money from my college trust fund to pay for my brother's wedding. I'm suing them, but now my entire family is against me. Wow, I can't imagine why. All right, you guys tell me if you agree or disagree with what this woman is saying. Let's go through some of the details. A woman from the U.S. revealed she is suing her parents after they stole money. Let's see if they actually stole it. She explained they used her university fund to pay for her brother's wedding. A woman revealed she is suing her parents after they took money that was put aside for her education by a relative and used it to pay for her brother's wedding. Okay, let me stop right there. That makes things different. If this was a fund that her parents had started for her and her parents used the money on her brother's wedding instead of giving it to her, that would have been different. But because this is from someone else, it strikes me as highly unfair that they did not use it for its chosen purpose, instead giving it to her brother. Taking to Reddit, the anonymous woman from the U.S. explained that her great aunt set up a savings account for her to attend university. However, her parents managed to gain access to the account and use the majority of the funds, leaving just $13,000. She's now suing her parents, but says she's been ostracized by the rest of her family who are outraged at her airing private business in public. But many rushed to the comments to side with a woman and reassure her that suing them is the right thing to do. The woman explained, my great aunt set up savings accounts for all of her female relatives. In our culture, education for women is not really valued, and she thought that was BS. She lived with her father in London, where she was educated. She went on to attend university and become a doctor. She married a British man, they moved to America, and had a great life. She funded the education of as many of her nieces and grandnieces as she could. That's really sweet. That's a very nice story. When she passed away, she left money for every girl relative she could. My parents managed to access the accounts that were set up for my sister and I. She went on to explain that her parents used the money to pay for her brother's wedding. However, her sister didn't mind as much because she had no intention of going to college. She then explained that she wanted to access the money for university. However, she noticed there was only $13,000 left. I asked my parents about it, and they said they had needed the money. I finally found out where the money went. I was furious. I got student loans and moved out. I'm a great source of shame to them, and I don't give two Fs. I'm currently suing them for the money that was left for me. My entire family is against me. That is a very interesting and difficult story. It sounds like her parents were huge jerks in the situation, and it's kind of nice that her aunt made this bank account so that her female relatives could go to school. That's actually a really nice legacy. Um, I don't know the full details. I'm not sure what culture they were part of. It sounds like maybe they were part of a Middle Eastern culture that really doesn't value female education highly. That would not surprise me much at all. That's really kind of sad. It always kind of makes me sad when people's families go this kind of sheep-headed way. You know, like they they tend to view their family bonds as ways to get even with people or as ways to cause drama or trouble. I'm just sorry that her whole family is against her because I think she has every right to be upset. I'm not sure if she should be suing her parents over this, but at the same time, I'm not sure how you would respond to this if they basically stole a bunch of money from you. It's a very interesting problem. I completely understand. Andy says, everyone switch to live chat. Keenan Smith, Keenan Smith says, hello, ALF. Hello, hello. How's it going? Hello, Gordon. Gordon, say hello to Dip. That would be funny. Yes, indeed, it would. I agree. Everybody smile, says smile, everybody. Indeed, we are good times all around. Well, I'm not sure what to tell that lady what to do, but I do think she certainly has a case because she is suing them. She can just say something along the lines of my aunt set this up for my family and hopefully her family would back her up on that because otherwise it's just her word making that case. Hopefully there were details in the account or left with the bank to make sure that her money couldn't be taken by somebody else. Guys, make sure you hit like share, subscribe, make sure you tell everybody about the fun we have over here on the In the Evenings before TimCast IRL. We are going to be switching to the 7 p.m. hour um, starting in the beginning of April. I think on April 1st, it will not be a joke. We'll be going to the 7 p.m. 
It is right now 6 p.m. That's a little early for some people, especially given that we are over on the East Coast, which makes us already earlier than pretty much everybody else. But I also didn't want it to get in the way of TimCast IRL, so we're not going to go any later than 7 p.m. for sure. All right, you guys, we have some big news about Trump. They are deciding not to indict him, at least right now, and we're about to find out why. Let's read this article from Fox News. Trump hush money grand jury proceedings canceled for Wednesday, sources say. Grand jury proceedings canceled amid major dissension in DA's office, sources tell Fox News. Now, before we continue, I'm very willing to bet there's a lot of dissent over the fact that this is an incredibly tenuous legal argument that they're making here. And I think that a lot of the people in the DA's office recognize this for exactly what it is. Now, if you guys remember, Letitia, Letitia James, who was in before Alvin Bragg, made a similar promise to try to indict Trump for whatever misdoings they were determined to find that he had done. That was also politically motivated. She failed. I think Alvin Bragg stepped in and he thought, you know what? I'm not going to fail. We're going to take anything we can possibly get and we're going to push it through. So let's read. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office has canceled the grand jury meeting that was scheduled to take place Wednesday as part of the investigation into former President Donald Trump amid speculation of a possible indictment. Two sources familiar told Fox News. Now, there certainly was speculation because Trump himself took to his own social media platform and said, I will be arrested on Tuesday. That has already been proven false. Why did he do that? I said at the time that I thought it was very, very likely that he wanted to get all eyes on him. He wanted to test the loyalty of the people involved, and he probably wanted to raise money. Following this, we have a story about how Trump raised a lot of money since he made that announcement. So let's finish this article and we'll get into that. The grand jury was slated to meet Wednesday and was expected to hear from at least one additional witness, but Fox News has learned that Bragg's office canceled the proceedings. The grand jury was notified Wednesday morning and was placed on standby for Thursday, a source told Fox News. We can't confirm or comment on grand jury matters, Bragg's office told Fox News. Two sources familiar told Fox News Digital on Wednesday that the grand jury was canceled amid major dissension within the district attorney's office. One source claimed the district attorney is having trouble convincing the grand jury on potential charges due to the weakness of the case. That's what I'm saying. It's ridiculous. And people recognize it for what it is. Sheer political chicanery. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. I don't care. Despite rumors of a potential imminent indictment, sources familiar told Fox News Digital that Trump has not been formally notified about whether he actually, Bragg, actually planned to bring charges against them. That's right. When Trump said that on over the course of the weekend, I think it was, or maybe Monday, he had no proof that that would be the case. But he used his platform to tell people to gather up, to go out there and protest, to raise heck, and to cause trouble because they were looking at arresting him. So I think he was probably also testing not just the loyalty of other politicians like Ron DeSantis, but the loyalty of his followers, which is questionable at best, at least according to me. Now, some of you may have noticed that Tim Pool earlier this afternoon tweeted out Trump 2024 to very warm applause. Everyone was very excited about that. And I gave it a thumbs down because I don't like this kind of tribalism for the right any more than I like it from the left. In fact, I like it less from the right than I like it from the left because the right is not supposed to be given to tribal tendencies. We are supposed to be focused on the individual and the characteristics of the individual, and we're supposed to judge them on the merit of what they do, not based on what tribe they belong to. And I personally have an issue with the kind of tribalism I'm seeing from the right. That's just my personal analysis. You guys, as always, are completely welcome to disagree with me. Trust me, I know people are going to disagree with me. People have been disagreeing with me pretty much since the time I was born on pretty much every conceivable um, idea. Despite rumors of a potential imminent incitement, sources familiar write. Sources told Fox News, though, that there remains a real chance that Bragg does not choose to indict the former president. I am going to bet... I'm going to bet um, this compact that Trump does not get indicted, okay? So I really love this compact. It has really good powder in it. It's from Wander Beauty, and I appreciate it very much. Um, But I don't think it's going to happen, okay? I just don't. I don't think there's enough, and I don't think that anything would happen in any case. He's certainly not going to be perp-walked. He's not going to be frog-marched. He's not going to end up in the back of a police car, period. 
it's not going to happen. I will say that it's more likely that something might happen with the Georgia case being levied against him as far as him questioning the outcome of the voting count in the 2020 election in that state. So we can see what happens with that, but I do not think anything will come from this at all. Georgia, questionable. Maybe you might actually really have a case there because there's some concern over whether he was asking them to just magically come up with a certain number of votes or if he wanted them to recount, 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 recount until they got the accurate number of votes, i.e. the number that would put him over the top in that state. Prosecutors Mark Pomerantz and Casey Dunn, who had been leading the investigation under former DA Cyrus Vance, submitted their resignations after Bragg began raising doubts about pursuing a case against Trump. That sounds political, too. The possible charges stem from the $130,000 hush money payment that then-Trump lawyer Michael Cohen made to adult film star Stormy Daniels, whose legal name is Stephanie Clifford. In the weeks leading up to the 2016 presidential election in exchange for her silence about an alleged encounter with Trump in 2006. Daniels is not one of the last witnesses that Bragg planned to call. She's not one of the last witnesses he planned to call. Interesting. Her lawyer tells Fox News that as we stand, Daniels has been asked to speak before the grand jury. In our conversation with Bragg's office, there's been no definitive plan to be in New York to testify the, before the grand jury as it sits. I'm confused, Fox News. This says, as we stand, Daniels has been asked to speak before the grand jury. But in this next sentence, her lawyer says, in a direct quote, in our conversations with Bragg's office, there's been no definitive plan to be in New York to testify before the grand jury as it sits. So maybe they meant to say she has not been asked to speak before the grand jury. Not sure either way. Federal prosecutors in the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York opted out of charging Trump related to the Daniels payment in 2019. Yes, if you'll recall, this was shot down a few years ago, even as Cohen implicated him as part of his plea deal. The Federal Election Commission also tossed its investigation into the matter in 2021. So not once, but twice have they discarded this exact case. But Alvin Bragg is pursuing it because he has a political motivation to do so. Cohen has said Trump directed the payments. Cohen paid Daniels $130,000 through his own company and was later reimbursed by Trump's company, which logged the payments as, quote, legal expenses. Karen McDougal, a former Playboy model who allegedly had a relationship with Trump, received a $150,000 payment through the publisher of the supermarket tabloid National Enquirer, whose owner, you may recall, is a big friend of Trump's. The Trump Organization grossed up Cohen's reimbursement for Daniel's payment for tax purposes, according to federal prosecutors who filed the 2018 criminal charges against Cohen for the payment. Trump has repeatedly denied wrongdoing with regard to the payments made to Daniels, and he has repeatedly said the payments were not a campaign violation, but rather a simple private transaction. Robert Costello, a former legal advisor to Cohen, appeared before the grand jury Monday and testified that Cohen is, quote, a serial liar. And if you'll recall, Michael Cohen, President Trump's handpicked personal lawyer, was actually um, charged on counts of perjury, if I recall correctly, and I believe served prison time for that. So once again, great choice of employees on Mr. Trump's part. Costello said he testified Trump did not know about the payments made by Cohen to Daniels. The Manhattan DA's investigation into Trump began in 2019 by then-District Attorney Cyrus Vance. The probe was focused on a possible bank, insurance, and tax fraud. case initially involved financial dealings of Trump's Manhattan properties, including his flagship Fifth Avenue building, Trump Tower, and the validation of 213-acre Estate 7 Springs in Westchester. The investigation last year led to tax fraud charges against the Trump Organization and its finance chief, Alan Weisselberg, whom I believe is in jail at this point. Grand jury deliberations and votes are secret proceedings and indictment typically remains under seal until an arraignment. That's right. That means when Trump truthed about it, he had no idea if it was actually going to happen. So why did he do it? I will show you why. This is why he did it. Trump has raised one and a half million MAGA donations since he warned he would be arrested. Campaign reveals cash windfall as he attacks Ron DeSantis for chatting with ratings challenge Piers Morgans. That's just a distraction. I don't care about any of that. I want to focus on the fact that Donald Trump made $1.5 million over merely speculating that he might be arrested on Tuesday. The Trump campaign raised $1.5 million after he warned of arrest. 
Team Trump has sent out a flurry of fundraising emails in the wake of revelations. Meanwhile, there is no sign of an indictment from the Manhattan grand jury, right? And as we just learned, they are stalled out altogether because people doubt the validity of the charges altogether, which I personally think is great. I think there's nothing to the charges. I think this is sheer political hackery on Alvin Bragg's part. That much is clear. Now, two things can be true at once. It's true that Alvin Bragg is politically motivated and a George Soros hiree. And it's also true that Trump is using this in the most cynical way possible in order to get people more riled up about him for the 2024 election. That is my personal diagnosis. I don't like it. It strikes me as dishonest. It strikes me as gross. I know he's in politics and politics is a dirty, dirty game. But at the end of the day, I don't like it. I would like somebody who I could point my kids to and say, hey, you know what? That guy's not perfect, but he's doing his very best. And I trust him to at least most of the time be telling us the truth as much as he's able to you know, understanding that some things can't be told, uh, given the understanding of, you know, national security or whatever. But I was just kind of grossed out by that. I don't know if you guys disagree. You probably think it was very clever of him. If you do love Trump to kind of push this idea and get people interested in what he was doing. I had friends who were asking me, do you think Trump's going to be arrested? What do you think is going to happen? Is there an indictment coming down? And I was like, no, no, I don't think so. And they're like, well, it's like noon now on Tuesday. Nothing's happened. And I was like, yeah, that's because nothing's going to happen today. And I'm not great with predictions for sure. I'm much better with character judgment and I judge characters, uh, and I judge Trump's character very poorly, but I did not see it happening. And I still don't, especially given that people are quitting from the grand jury or are causing all sorts of chaos within the grand jury over the charges themselves. All right, so you guys, 13% of you say yes, you would sue your parents for some reason, and 87% say no, you would not sue your parents for any reason ever. I probably would not sue my parents for any reason ever, but at the same time, if someone steals a bunch of money, like literally your college fund from you that you were planning on using to further your future, man, I don't know, that's a tough row to hoe. Well, let's see. Speaking of corruption in the political realm... When Biden was VP, it turns out, his office tried to quash a Bloomberg story about Hunter Biden at his firm's request, according to a an email. President of Hunter Biden's Rosemont Seneca, uh, VP's office, to urge... Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. Let's see if we get this straight. President of Hunter Biden's Rosemont Seneca asked VP's office... Oh, okay. So Hunter Biden's um, company asked President Biden's office to urge Bloomberg not to run a story. Wow. Told them to urge Bloomberg against running since deleted story. So it sounds like it worked, didn't it? The office of then President Vice President Joe Biden tried to quash a Bloomberg news story about Hunter Biden at the younger Biden's firm request, firm's request, not firm request, according to a 2015 email published on Wednesday. I'm loving that we are getting all these emails. This is gross corruption. And I really feel like all of this right wing tribalism and sparring is nothing but a distraction from all the stuff that we should really be paying attention to. Emails obtained by America First Legal through its ongoing lawsuit against the National Archives and Records Administration showed a close relationship between the vice president's office, Hunter Biden's longtime business partner, and the media. Duh. To which I just have to say, holy cow, duh. On December 8th, 2015, the New York Times ran an article saying the credibility of the vice president's anti-corruption message may have been undermined by Hunter's serving on the board of Burisma Holdings with its owners, owner, Mikola Zlovchesky. Oh my gosh. Later that day, Eric Schwerin, who was the president of Hunter's now defunct, shockingly, investment firm Rosemont Seneca Partners at the time asked the vice president's then communications director, Kate Bedingfield, whether there was any follow-up by other news articles on the Time article. Bedingfield, who stepped down last month as White House communications director, I hate it when it jumps like that, responded to Schwerin within minutes saying a Bloomberg reporter had asked about it, but was doing everything she can not to use it. VP just finished an interview with a Bloomberg reporter traveling with us and she asked about it, though she assures me she's doing everything she can to not use it. Okay, so it sounds like the media is already corrupt if they're fighting against releasing a story about something that is of national public interest, although at the time people probably didn't know that. 
I will have a transcript soon, but my quick notes on his answer are, no one has any doubt about my record on corruption. I don't talk to my son about his business and my children don't talk to me about mine. I have complete faith in my son, right? And this was the line from Biden up until very recently when it became very clear that not only did Biden know about his son's business dealings, they actually shared both a phone number and a bank account, not to mention the address of the home where these classified documents were found in the garage. Literally, Hunter Biden is seen in a picture in his father's Chevrolet Corvette that was used in an ad for Biden, uh, also housed in the garage where those files were found. Schwerin responded, I would just urge her, as I know you are doing, that there is no new news there. There is no there there. Come on, guys. It's just a nothing burger. And even if she uses it, she should avoid getting into past stories that have nothing to do with this. Absolutely, Pettingfield replied. We just, we've had two conversations about it. She will only use it if her editors hold a gun to her head. She absolutely will not do the second thing. The two appear to be talking about Hunter's administrative discharge from the Navy Reserve over cocaine use in 2014. Schwerin then asked Bettingfield to keep us posted if you get inquiries from other outlets. Will do. Thanks, Eric, she responded. The next day, Bloomberg published a five-paragraph story that has since been deleted, quoting Vice President defending his son in an interview aboard Air Force Two, saying, I don't have any doubt about my son in terms of the propriety of his work. Schwerin and Bedingfield expressed frustration after the story was published. Guess the Bloomberg reporter didn't have, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. I hate when it jumps like that. Didn't have the ability to convince her editors not to make her write the story, Schwerin wrote to Bedingfield on December 9th. Really frustrating, she replied. That said, so long as it doesn't elevate and trigger someone else to write, it's actually a good and straightforward response. So sorry I missed your call this morning. Underwater and a bunch of stuff. Can call in a bit if you're around. Nothing urgent, he replied a few minutes later. So this was like minute by minute, back and forth emailing, like almost instant messaging. So they were on top of it, which really tells me that Biden knew about his son's business dealings. And so did his entire office when he was VP. Disgusting, dishonest, nothing surprising from the Biden administration. America First Legal, founded by former President Trump advisor Stephen Miller, whom we like and appreciate, I like his speeches, said the emails showing a close relationship between the vice president's office, the president of Hunter's company, and members of the press should should deeply concern every American. AFL's litigation against NARA continues to provide critical information about the Biden family's influence peddling during the Obama administration. Gene Hamilton, the group's vice president, said in a statement, but these additional records warrant special attention because they highlight for the American people the extent to which the Biden family and Rosemont Seneca expected the media to do their bidding. And indeed, it sounds like the Bloomberg reporter was already fully on their side even before they asked her to do anything. And they illustrate the influence over White House operations that Rosemont Seneca had, advancing not only Hunter Biden's requests, but those of a foreign company and former foreign officials. The American people deserve answers and accountability. The reporter being discussed between Bedingfield and Schwerin, according to America First Legal, was former Bloomberg senior White House reporter Margaret Taleb, who did not immediately respond to Fox News Digital's request for comment. The White House and Bedingfield also did not respond to an inquiry for comment from Fox News. How shocking. By the way, this is nothing really shocking to any of us, I don't think. Pretty sure that none of us are big fans of Joe Biden. Pretty sure all of us are pretty thoroughly convinced that he is pretty darn corrupt. We know this. I personally am just glad that some of this stuff is coming to light. I can't wait to see more of it. I can't wait to see the depth to which it goes. Um, hopefully all the truth comes out in the years coming forward. Let's see what you guys are thinking about this. Oh, let's see. Whisper, welcome in. All right. Andy says, retweet me, please. We will do that now. Andy says, tonight on Trad Queen Story Hour with Sour Patch Lids, Trump charges drop, but when's his next single drop? That is the real question. Thank you for asking these pressing questions, Andy. You should be a journalist for sure. Pyramids Bree says, hi guys. Hello, Bree. Happy to see you here once again. Inky says, so I don't see how she has any real case, but I don't know the whole situation. So who knows? Why is this doing this to me. I hate YouTube. It's an irritating interface. Um, I'm assuming you're referring to Stormy Daniels. Not sure. Uh, Guacamole Man says, no, there's no low Democrats aren't willing to stoop to. I'm inclined to agree. And this is why it's so important to me personally that the right refrain from the tribalism that the left uses, because this kind of tribalism is exactly what 
convinces people like Alvin Bragg that it's the right thing to do, no matter what you have to do. This is the vote blue, no, no matter who crew, right? These are the super, super tribal side. I don't want to be like them. That is craziness. I'm not interested in that. I do not want people to just use the law for whatever purpose they see fit. And I don't want them to think that dishonesty is the key to winning elections or hearts or minds or votes or anything like that. I want us to continue to care about the individual. To me, that remains the most important thing. Inky says, I feel like a judge will just say you're mad because your parents changed your minds and use their money for something else. It wasn't their money. That's what she's saying. This is actually from her great aunt who had set aside money for her as a female relative because in her family's culture, females going to school was not considered high priority and was kind of frowned on. And her great aunt, who actually had a chance to get a higher education, looked around and said, hey, you know what? I'm going to try and make sure that my female family members have the same opportunity. So she went through with it. So this isn't a case of parents putting together a savings fund for their daughter and then saying, oh, you know what? We're going to use the money for something else. No, this is something actually where you actually could have a legal case that that legally belonged to you. So it is a little different than I was initially thinking when I read the headline. Um, username says that's if the judge has any sense. Yeah, but you have to know the full context. And as this would be argued in front of a court, obviously they would know all of the details about who the, um, who the money was actually intended for and who it was from. St. Miles says Trump's act was preemptive, but effective. That's correct. But was it honest? I don't think it was. I don't like it. I really don't like the way he's starting off this election run. Inky says it's called a trust. If they wanted to do it correctly, they would have set up a trust. The parents would not be able to take the money in that case, as far as I know. So technically, according to this Reddit post, although, you know, Reddit is not the most reliable and she is just posting this of her own volition, apparently it was a trust fund that her uh, great aunt had set up for her. So I have no idea how the parents got a hold of it. Yes, he points out college is silly these days and the prices are just absurd. Completely agree about that. She said she went on to get scholarships and went on for it for sure. Um, OCB says they backed off it because it's a complete PR loss. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of the reason that people are kind of rebelling in the grand jury. They're like, this is ridiculous. This charges are nothing. Absolute nonsense for sure. Schrodinger stormy. Yeah, I have no idea. Move Disney World to Ukraine. Interesting idea. Great idea. Everybody smile. Unheil Snipe says, howdy, howdy from Tucson. Sorry I'm late. Whisper has been here holding it down, but I was delayed by a pesky VA doctor appointment. Yes, I had to go to the DMV today as well. That wasn't too bad because I made an appointment and Wednesdays are appointment days. So you just go in, you tell them that you're there for your appointment. They see you pretty much immediately. You don't have to sit and wait or anything like that. So it was really pretty efficient, thankfully. Keenan Smith says, please tell me that Trump is going to make a get out of jail free NFT. That would be hilarious. Artist One says, I feel the lady who wants to sue her parents' mother took money from all stocks that was set up for me by someone else to fund a film that went nowhere. Oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. That is very frustrating. I agree. It turns out that having money stolen by anybody is really unfortunate, especially when it was somebody that you trusted like your family. It does suck. I agree. All right, Keenan, thank you for keeping it a family-friendly show. I appreciate that. Um, Gordon says it's very clever. That being said, it's very gross too. I'm assuming you were referring to Trump saying that he would be arrested on Tuesday. Everybody smiles says maybe Trump is trying to steal back the Democrats prison votes from the inside. Hmm, maybe so. Could be it. Keenan says I like the idea of active volcano. Some active volcanoes haven't gone off in five years, some in longer than that. Inky says my parents are all right. So I doubt I'll ever face this situation at all. Yeah, hopefully for the best. I'm sure I wouldn't have to sue my parents either. And hopefully they would never even consider suing me for any reason. It's like a family thing. Keenan says, what do you call battery acid that gets on your hands 144 times? Gross corruption. Hmm, close. Needs work. I like that. Gross is 144. 12 times 12. All right, you guys. Why would Nike sell shoes with a poop emoji? Air Force number two. That's good too. I like that one. I like that one as well. All right, you guys, let's see here what our next thing to talk about is. Oh, yes, Anna Kasparian. Kasparian. Kasparian is something really interesting. She says, I'm a woman. Please don't ever refer to me as a person with a uterus, birthing person, or a person who menstruates. How do people not realize how degrading this is? You can support the transgender community without doing this ish. And the, just in comments, my wife shares the same opinion. 
Anna says, I'm sure a lot of women don't want to be minimized to a bodily function or body part. And I can't help but say that I completely agree with her. Now, there were a lot of leftists in her comment section saying that this is not something that ever happens. So I just pulled up this Atlantic article to look at whether or not this is in fact happening. So let's see what they have to say. The culture war over pregnant people. Some advocates on the left want America to talk about pregnancy and birth in gender neutral terms, but this language change might not be so easy for the country to embrace. Let's find out more about that. Last year, a brand new labor and delivery hospital opened on the well-to-do Upper East Side of New York City. Its name, the Alexander Cohen Hospital for Women and Newborns, might strike most people as innocuous or straightforward, but to some people, the suggestion that a hospital where babies are born is for women is offensive because transgender and non-binary people who do not identify as women can also get pregnant and deliver babies. Only niche groups tend to care about how Americans discuss gender and pregnancy, including whether it's better to use the term pregnant people or pregnant women. But those groups care a lot. In fact, I have seen a lot of this in mainstream media. Pregnant women no longer exist. Now there are only pregnant people. Representative Cory Bush of Missouri used the term birthing people in a hearing, causing a mini uproar on social media. When we talk about birthing people, we're being inclusive. It's that simple. The pro-abortion rights group NARAL tweeted in her defense. Others, however, see this kind of language as exclusionary because it erases women and mothers as worthy categories of identity. Anne Romney, the senator of Senator Mitt, uh, the wife of Senator Mitt Romney, tweeted angrily in June, the Biden administration diminishing motherhood to birthing person is simply insulting to all moms. It was the first time she tweeted all year. And yet Americans who don't mainline niche political or linguistic fights probably don't even know that this is a debate. Let's go to an archived version of this real fast. Forgive me. I should have gone to the end of this article. I'm sure I'm sure it's archived. Let's go down here. When I texted When I texted a friend in a small liberalish city about this topic recently, he had no idea what I was talking about. To understand the contours of the debate, I called Louise Smelling, the deputy legal director of the American Civil Liberties Union, who leads projects on women's rights and LGBTQ rights. Although she does not identify as transgender or non-binary, she is one of the country's most influential progressive legal thinkers on gender norms and the law. Our conversation has been condensed and edited for clarity. Amelia, that is the author of the piece, says, why do you believe it's important to shift our language around gender and pregnancy? Louise says, first of all, if we're talking about pregnant people, that language says to people, to transgender men and to non-binary people, we see you. So it's all about clarity, or rather, it's all about inclusion, probably diversity and equity as well. It should do a fair amount of work to help address discrimination. If we talk about pregnant people, it's a reminder to all of us to catch ourselves when we're sitting in the waiting room at the GYN that we're not going to stare at the man who's there. We're not going to be disconcerted. They're literally using language to tweak how people view the world. And that's exactly what Anna is pointing to. Now, she's saying it from a personal direction. She's saying, I personally don't like this. This makes me feel like I'm just a collection of certain body parts. But we really need to recognize that what the left is doing is very insidious and they're very smart about the role that words play in shaping the way people look at the world. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of, oh, I forget who it was that said this, but um, I think it was Henry Ford who said, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, that will be the case. And he's basically saying the way that you look at the world and the way you verbalize your feelings about the world are literally going to turn those feelings into a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can literally change what happens to you in the world outside your physical form, your corporeal presence into a reality by adjusting the way you think about them. And that should be startling to everyone, especially conservatives who like to believe that we are like kind of independent, amorphous blobs who are completely unaffected by the outside world. We're not. This is something that the left is wise to and something that we'd be very well, um, well to do figuring out as we move forward because it's something that's true about humanity. Um, definitely something that we should come to terms with. It's so funny to me because the left doesn't seem to recognize anything else about the way humans function, but they do understand this about the spoken word and how it adjusts our view of reality. Really, really interesting conversation. I see that Anna was getting scorched in the replies. 
I'm happy that she's willing to have this conversation. She strikes me as a deeply disagreeable person on many levels. I don't like her personally very much. As a commentator, obviously we disagree on everything, but she also just strikes me as incredibly unpleasant and unnecessarily acerbic um, and grating to a certain degree, but I'm happy for her degree of disagreeability. I feel like that kind of um, willingness to be cantankerous is very valuable if you're actually fighting for meaningful values, which most of the time she's not. Sometimes she hits one out of the park, but I'm still waiting for her to be red-pilled. We'll see what happens with that. So on the topic of birthing persons, we have this article out of Philadelphia. Philadelphia will pay women to get pregnant. Expectant mothers will be entitled to $1,000 a month with no strings attached amid falling fertility rates and rising baby deaths. Expectant mothers will get $1,000 a month for 18 months to spend as they wish. The pilot scheme aims to lower infant mortality rates and curb dropping fertility. Interesting. Pregnant women in Philadelphia will be paid $1,000 a month as part of a trial program hoping to lower infant mortality rates in the U.S., in the city, excuse me. What do you guys think about this? Because I personally don't like the aspect of a government getting involved with this kind of thing because it is like a municipal government that's a little bit less obnoxious than a federal program. Honestly, if this works and people really see the value in it, I could see it really kind of shaking up the fertility rate in the U.S. Because if I understand correctly, this is actually a plan that they put through in Hungary that actually worked really well. It completely stopped the decline of their fertility rates. And um, they also incentivized having children by like giving tax breaks to families who had more than four children and things of that nature, which I also thought was very cool. You have to prioritize families if you want to have people in your country. You have to have strong cultures. You have to have strong families, which means that you need to prioritize and um, incentivize having children in the first place. Starting next year, 250 expectant mothers will receive no strings attached payments from their third month of pregnancy through their baby's first birthday. The pilot program, known as Philly Joy Bank, as the Philly Joy Bank, will operate in the areas of the city with the highest rates of low birth rates, Cobbs Creek, Strawberry Mansion, and Nice Town Tioga. Of the 10 most populous, populated cities in the U.S., Philadelphia has the highest rate of infant mortality. That's very sad. The scheme also comes amid baby bust across America that is seeing fewer women than ever having children amid changing family values. That's putting it lightly. Wow, look at this. This chart is horrifying. So we have 1,800. We had an average of almost seven kids per woman. And then we have just gradually dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. Right down to the lowest point was in 1940, probably because of World War II. Then we had the baby boom in uh, at the end of the World War, I, I would imagine, and going into the 1960s. And then we dropped again in 1980. And now we're lower than we ever have been before to something like 0.5 or 1.2 children per women. Fertility rate by state. What do we got here? Oh, it's really hard to see. Thanks for nothing, Daily Mail. Change in fertility rate since 2005. Wow, this stuff is really crazy. Fertility rates, Pennsylvania, 2010, 2020, 58.7 to 54.9. I'm not sure. Oh, per 1,000 per 1, women, 15 through 44. Infant mortality rate, that's another issue as well. And I know there have been serious issues amid the African-American community as far as infant mortality rate. And I, that's actually something that I really want to do, do a deep dive on because I'm not sure why that is. Um, it's possible that doctors have a different way of handling African-American mothers, but I'm highly, I'm, I personally am unlikely to believe that, that that is completely due to racism. Um, I wonder if there's a way that they're not handling the, um, the trauma of childbirth in the same way for black mothers. And I'm curious if that changes for black doctors. Maybe there's something that we don't know about African-American moms that makes, um, that makes a difference to them. But yeah, that's really, really kind of interesting. What do you guys think about that? How should we be incentivizing having children? Because it's not just Philadelphia this is happening in. This is all the way across the U.S. Oh, look at this too. Another thing to think about, cannabis warning to young women. Smoking THC in your teens may slash your egg count in half, according to a new study. Female mice exposed to THC in adolescents had half as many healthy ovarian follicles. It is yet another study showing the potential long-term harms of cannabis use. Now, 
I am old enough to remember there was a time when I was told by everybody in Colorado, which was the first state in the country to legalize marijuana or to at least decriminalize it, that there was nothing wrong with with cannabis. It was completely fine. It was basically nature's cure for cancer, that it was absolutely criminal that we were doing anything to try to restrict the use of cannabis. Now, Forget about the legality. Forget about the war on drugs. I don't care about any of that. I actually want to know if cannabis is actually good for you because it's starting to look like it's not. Um, And I'm really, really curious as we do more research about it, if we're going to find more and more ways in which it is very, very bad for us. Teenage girls who smoke marijuana may be permanently harming their fertility, researchers warn. A study led by the University of California, Irving, found adolescent female mice exposed to tetrahydrocannabis cannabinol, THC, right? The psychoactive chemical in the drug had 50% fewer healthy ovarian follicles than the control group by the time they were adults. Research believe that the researchers believe the bond, the body's endocannabinoid system, which is stimulated when marijuana is used, damages follicles or causes them to activate too quickly, depleting them. Interesting. With marijuana use now common among teens across America, researchers fear many young women are unknowingly damaging their likelihood of having a child in the future. While the latest study was on mice, separate research has shown that pregnant women who use cannabis at a greater risk are at a greater risk of birth defects, miscarriages, and stillbirths. That's right. It is highly counseled against using THC or CBD during pregnancy. Uh, and here's some data about the follicles. Researchers found mice who were regularly exposed to THC over two weeks. Wow. Over just two weeks had 50% fewer healthy ovarian follicles, including primordi- primordial follicles that represent the number of eggs a woman will have for the remainder of her life. It's blowing my mind that that was literally just over the course of two weeks. How much would two years of constant exposure to THC how much harm would that do to a woman's possibility of reproduction? That is crazy to me. Guys, I have to say that anytime somebody comes to you and said, oh my gosh, look at this thing. Isn't this crazy? This is a wonder drug, et cetera, et cetera. You have to stop and ask yourself the question, what are the long-term effects of this? And what are some of the knock-on effects that we might be seeing um, if we consider all of the possible downsides to taking this medicine. I just saw an article the other day or earlier today. Yeah, let's look at this one real fast, which really gave me a similar similar kind of vibe. Wonder pill that makes you skinny without dieting moves one step closer to reality. And I got to stop you right there and just say, I know you guys have probably heard about the drug that all of these celebrities are using that's actually technically a diabetes drug. They're using it to lose weight and they're using it with great success, but they're finding that if you ever stop using this medicine, you gain back all the weight. There are other very, very serious side effects. And this is a relatively new drug that they're finding. They're just like, hey, you know what? This juice might not be worth the squeeze. This might actually be a really big problem if you use it over the course of the long term. Definitely something we should keep in mind. And I just have to say, we found this with Tylenol, that it was really, really easy to get too much of it. And we had no idea. We found this with antidepressants. We found this with birth control. It's really bad for women. It can take a really long time to bounce back from using birth control to being able to start a family. And I have to stop and ask myself, what other side effects are we missing? What other drugs do we just take willy-nilly? And I know that some people can't stop some of this medicine. I know that antidepressants are really important for some people. Um, I've used them in myself in the past. I stopped taking them because we have this priority of starting a family. And I was told that if I was taking antidepressants while I was pregnant, my baby would ultimately be affected and have to withdraw from that medicine, which I think is definitely something that women should be told right as soon as they start an antidepressant. By the way, if you plan to get pregnant, you need to understand that your baby can be very negatively affected by this and you don't want them to have to spend the first months of their lives coming off of a drug that they never consented to take. Um, so that's really something that I need think needs to be explained. Although I will say, in my experience, anytime I've gone to get a medicine from a doctor, they've never given me a full list of the side effects. Like when I started this new MS medicine back in January, 2022, um, I didn't think that I would ever gain anywhere near the level of weight that I have. I was doing everything exactly the same. The only thing I changed was taking this medicine and I gradually gained a whole bunch of weight over the course of my use of it. And I was like, Hey, you know what? 
this might actually not be a moral failing for me to have gained this weight. This might be tied directly to this medicine. And when I looked it up, I was like, oh, sure enough, in a small fraction percentage of cases, if you take this medicine, it can make you gain weight or it can exacerbate it for sure. I've always had kind of a tendency to be heavier than other people. Even when I was a teenager, I weighed like, you know, well above what I was supposed to. I was never obese. I was just kind of a very solid girl. Um, so it, it, it pays to really do your own research. And at the end of the day, you have to be your own advocate, whether you're in the hospital or whether you're just going to the doctor's office. Do your research, look into it, know what you're talking about and know what questions to ask the doctor um, because they stay up to date on all this stuff too. And a lot of that information for them comes through, you know, peer reviewed studies on the internet that they go through and they find like up to date information about these things, these medicines and treatments that you need to know about before you take them. So my only word of advice on all of that stuff, because we started out talking about birthing persons and we moved to like being funding uh, motherhood. And then we talked about how cannabis can harm your ability to have children down the road. It turns out we're just now learning. Um, all that to say, make sure that you're talking to your doctor about stuff that could potentially affect your future life plans, like trying to have a family. It's very, very important that you do that because I feel like it slides under the radar sometimes and it's really something that can be unfortunately overlooked. All right, let's see what you guys are thinking for sure. The whole weed culture is cringy. IMO. I am inclined to agree. That's another tribe that I never got into. Don't like tribalism. Inky says incentives for marriage, I think are better. I'm inclined to agree. Yes. Single motherhood is not really an improvement over, um, not having kids at all. It's not good. Uh, a marriage will also certainly produce, almost certainly produce children. It depends. So it's such a cultural thing. I think we need to change the way we view womanhood. If we're going to come up with an actual solution to, declining birth rates and falling fertility. Because even if people get married, if women have this idea that they have to be working all the time and men agree with them, they're like we have to keep up with the Jones. Both of us have to be working. We have to have the nicest things, nicest car, all this stuff. Oh, look at that. We don't have time for kids. I guess we'll have to take our own European vacations and live life. Inky says, as a pot smoker, I agree. Weed culture is silly. The truth is we just want legal weed. If it helps someone out there, and really, I'm sure it does, that's great. Yes, I have heard of CBD, I think it is, or some of those other elements of weed helping people who have epilepsy. Now, that's something that I think should really be studied. Um, I do think it should be legal, but I think that people should also be fully informed about what might happen if they take it. And I think there should be legal restrictions on how old you should be before you can use marijuana. And this was something else that fell by the wayside during the war on drugs was that they just said no one should be smoking it at all, period, ever. So kids were like, uh, what if I smoke it? I mean, there's no rules about it, right? So I'll do whatever I want. So that's actually a problem when you have a prohibition, you can't kind of keep tabs on who's doing what. And then you have no idea what happens and people can really end up injured. Andy says, like, comment, subscribe. Yes, indeed. Inky says, if it were legal, then anyone could get it. No, because alcohol is legal and not anyone can get it, theoretically. I mean, technically, you can get alcohol if you set your mind to it, if you're underage or whatever. Username says, I think TX is incentivizing families by giving married couples tax breaks. If you're single, then you don't get them. I saw that, but from my understanding, that proposed bill was just proposed by one person and didn't actually appear to be going anywhere. Although I am now, again, now that you mention it, really curious about that because I remember reading about something like a family with 10 kids paying absolutely nothing in taxes. I thought that was a wonderful thing. Well, it's really good for Texas because then you have a bunch of people you know, buying goods and services in your state, buying cars, maybe buying houses to be close to mom and dad. Um, and they work in your state and all that good stuff, especially when they're younger, they'll probably go to school in your state. You really make a difference. Um, if you increase the population of native born Americans, you're going to have good luck and you're not going to end up relying on migrant work. Good stuff. Inky says, I use it to relax every so often after a long day. I've always cringed at the it cures cancer bros. Yeah, I really don't like that. And I actually know even some of the most gung-ho people about it, uh, who even some of the most gung-ho people I knew who would talk about it said, you know, I wish I hadn't started smoking it so young. It kind of damaged my brain, et cetera, et cetera. Although I will say there's like a one-to-one -one correlation between people that I personally know 
doing weed and being terrible and being vegan and being terrible. And I just left such a bad taste in my mouth for both of those. Now I'm just like, I don't like vegans and I don't like weed smokers. But again, that's sheer anecdote. So I, I can't judge everybody. Keenan says girls also prefer indica. It's a wakened dream state that makes you pass out. Sativa has much less drowsiness. I don't know anything about any of this. Technically, it is still federally legal for sure. Illegal for sure. Inky says, LOL, Lydia, obviously not children. Well, yeah, if it were legal, anybody could get it. I mean, alcohol is legal and yes, anyone can get it. So... Pyramid Spree says, on infant mortality, I almost lost my first because doctors were super arrogant and wouldn't listen to me and the doctors that I needed to push. So the court almost strangled him and his heart rate dropped. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. His heart rate dropped from the stress. I'm very sorry to hear that. So I am kind of educating myself about this and there's very heavy emphasis. Hi, Dot. Dot's over there. She came to say hi. She might start barking. Bear with me if she does. I'll have to throw a sock at her or something. She does love socks. Hi, baby. Um, I've been educating myself about this and there's heavy emphasis from the ladies that I follow that you are in charge of your experience. You can ask for things to be done and to be not done and that your wishes need to be respected. So that's going to be something that plays a very large role in my planning for, although of course, when you have a kid, nothing goes according to plan, but I can at least plan according to it. Hello, Dot. She's making little barks. I know you cannot come in here. We have a nice new rug and I cannot risk anything happening to it. All right. I wanted to touch on these two topics real quick. I might actually have to stand up and go get her unless Andy comes and pops in and grabs her. Oh, good. He called her. She's out of here. All right. She, you almost, you guys almost got a guest appearance of, um, dot, but I am not having her in this room because we got a super cool rug from Ikea and I don't think that we're going to bring her in and run that risk. Actually, I'm going to run it, wrap it a little bit early because I'm feeling a little sick and weak this evening. So until tomorrow, thank you guys all so much for being here. Um, we're going to talk more about Trump, I'm sure, and DeSantis probably tomorrow. And until next time, stay cool. Bye guys. How's it going?